Welcome to the Azure Security Podcast, where we discuss topics relating to security, privacy, reliability, and compliance on the Microsoft Cloud Platform. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 18. Uh, this week, we have uh, myself, Gladys, and Sarah. And we also have a special guest, Miriam Wiesner, who is here to speak to us about Microsoft 365 security and compliance. But before we do that, let's get stuck into the news. Uh, I'll kick things off. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, Azure Databricks has just achieved FedRAMP high authorization on the Microsoft Azure Government Cloud. If you're not familiar, FedRAMP is a, a compliance program that essentially federal federal organizations must comply with when they're moving workloads to the cloud. And there's uh, three different layers uh, or different rat ratings, uh, low, moderate, and high. So Databricks has just achieved, uh, achieved high authorization, which is uh, fantastic to hear. A couple of other little things around SQL Server. Uh, so private link for Azure SQL Data Sync is now available for Azure SQL Database in public preview. Uh, as I mentioned, I think just about every time we, we talk about this, uh, you'll see more and more PaaS offerings, platform as a service offerings, start to use private link so that way they can essentially have their own private IP addresses and not have a data plane that's listening on the internet. So that's nice to see. Another cool thing uh, is transparent data encryption with customer managed keys is now available for SQL database hyperscale. Uh, transparent data encryption with customer managed keys has been available for Azure SQL database uh, for some time, uh, but now it's fantastic to see that it's available for other SQL members, and in this case, SQL database hyperscale. Uh, Microsoft is uh, doing so much. Uh, actually, um, uh, we've been working heavily uh, to enhance resiliency for government customers. And as part of that effort, uh, we have worked uh, with different uh, government agencies, such as uh, the Dep Department of Veteran Affairs, the uh, Small Business Administration, the Department of Defense, uh, in order to implement uh, many of the Microsoft Cloud services. Uh, you could read about this in our Microsoft blogs, uh, Enhancing Mission Resiliency for Government. Um, I, I'm including a, a link uh, to that blog. Um, in there also, you could read that um, a Azure Secret is being available now, and that we're working on Azure Top Secret and we're working uh, on accreditation. The next news that I wanted uh, to talk about is uh, Microsoft uh, Information Protection. Uh, Microsoft uh, released this uh, service um, called Azure Purview. I have been really excited about uh, information protection overall. It, it, it just, uh, there's so much that we are uh, included in, in there in order to provide end-to-end -end, uh, data um, uh, visibility and it's helping move uh, organization from just protecting data via endpoint protection or a network perimeter to uh, providing uh, data protection itself. Uh, that includes providing labels to data, so reporting and policy can be applied uh, based on the sensitivity of that data, allowing encryption of the individual data files and tracking through uh, services like MCAS and for endpoint services allowing classification to be applied through SharePoint libraries, OneNote, uh, Power BI, and others, and reporting and monitoring through services like MCAS and Insider Threat Manager. But now with Azure Purview, we go even further because all that all other information protection that we were providing were focused more on structural data 
And now we are, uh, with Azure Purview, we are including SQL, files, storing blobs, and others. So again, uh, giving visibility end-to-end. In a final note I wanted to uh, share is a personal one. I'm moving to Azure uh, engineering team. I'm looking forward working more with AI, uh, virtual reality, uh, modular uh, data centers, and, and more in-depth uh, Azure Cloud. Uh, I have been 13 years uh, in um, Microsoft services uh, as a PFE and uh, as a consultant. So uh, it's been hard. Uh, uh, decision uh, in a way because of friends, but I'm still here. So I'm hoping uh, to keep collaborating with everyone and now learning more. Oh, congrats, Gladys. That's so exciting. Welcome to engineering. <laughs> That's going to be super exciting for you when you start your new role. So I guess I should talk about some news that I um, have seen that is interesting this week. First of all, the Unified Connection Monitor in Network Watcher is now generally available. So um, Connection Monitor what has been around for a little while, uh, but we've had it in preview, um, the Unified Connection Monitor. That's now generally available, um, and it's going to uh, the existing uh, connection monitor solution will be rebranded as Connection Monitor Classic. So you can still get the old one and the new one, but they will be, uh, yeah, you will now call the older one Classic. Um, the cool thing about the newer version of Connection Monitor is that it's got more support for VNets and subnets. It can support cross-subscription and cross-region monitoring. Um, it can also do a centralized workspace support for monitoring data, um, and it will let you monitor endpoints within and across Azure. If you're using uh, the uh, classic connection monitor, you should definitely go check out the new version because you may want to upgrade if you uh, haven't already. Second, talking about um, Azure Security Center, the uh, November updates. Firstly, we've added 29 new recommendations, the Azure Security Benchmark. So um, that's across all the different pillars. So we've got uh, more things about encrypting data, managing permissions, um, auditing and log logging, um, you know, the kind of things that we have in Security Center at the moment, but even more recommendations to keep your hygiene tip top. The other thing is that NIST SP800 uh, 171R2 is now in the regulatory compliance dashboard. So um, in the regulatory compliance dashboard, of course, we have a number of different regulations that you can score your infrastructure against uh, if you now. And so now we're just adding more of them. So, yeah, if, if you're beholden to that particular standard or you use it in your security standards, you should go check that out. We've also improved the auto provisioning experience. So um, basically um, you can now auto provision the log analytics agent and the Azure policy add-on for Kubernetes and the Microsoft dependency agent. So uh, you can actually, when you build these things in Azure, you can turn on the auto provision experience for all those three things. And if you provision that in your tenant, it will automatically push that add-on, which again is just reducing your work. And it means that Security Center can still do its great things of looking at what's going on in your environment. Something that may be interested for the, some those of you who use external dashboards is that Secure Score is now available in preview as a continuous export, which means you can send it 
uh, straight into an event hub if you are wanting to send it externally, or you can send it to a log analytics workspace. So that means that you can track your secure score over time, uh, and particularly if you're using a third party theme where you have third party dashboards, you can now use the event hub to send that out to a third party system, or you can put it in workbooks in log analytics or Sentinel and have a look at it there. Uh, that's something that has been asked for, I know, uh, by customers for quite a while, that they didn't want to just see a point in time analysis of their secure score. Uh, with ASC, they wanted to see it over a period of time. And now you'll be able to do that. So uh, yeah, a really, really good one. And then there's some other ASC features as well. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, ASC keeps adding too many things probably for me to cover off in the news section, uh, but go and check out the November 2020 updates and you can see what else there is there. And then next bit of news that I had was that you can now export and manage Azure policy as code through GitHub. And I'm always big on integrations and exporting things as code because it just makes things easier. So now um, you can, where your Azure policies are configured, you can actually export them directly into a GitHub from the portal, which is nice because then you can uh, use GitHub actions to make customized workflows. Actually, very recently I was learning about GitHub actions and work flows uh, for something I was doing internally and um, they are very cool. Um, took me a little while to get some um, authentication pieces working but I think that was my uh, newbiness at GitHub more than anything. So yeah, go check that one out. And last but not least, um, IoT Hub Private Link will now work with the built-in Event Hub compatible endpoint. So what that means is if you're creating a private link to your IoT Hub, so it's not uh, it's not accessible through the public endpoint, um, you'll get two additional private endpoints, which is one for the IoT Hub APIs and one for built-in endpoints. Um, so uh, go and have a read about that. We'll put the links in the show notes. Um, and yeah, that's my news for this week. Well, thanks everyone for that. So let's switch tacks now to Miriam Wiesner. Uh, she's a program manager with the Microsoft 365 team. And uh, Miriam, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, explain what you're doing, how long you've been at Microsoft? Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, so I'm Miriam. And uh, I'm working for the Microsoft 365 Defender and Defender for Endpoint team. So I'm part of the customer experience engineering team. And that's a similar role like Sarah. We are working for Microsoft's top strategic customers uh, with a slight difference that Sarah is working with a Sentinel team and I'm working with a Defender team. And well, in total, I've been at Microsoft for almost four years. Nice, yeah. I should actually mention here that I did change role in Microsoft a few months ago now. <laughs> um, and rather than being an architect, I am now, as, as Miriam says, um, part of the customer experience engineering team for Sentinel. That's just a small aside. You work with uh, Microsoft Defender um, uh, and of course, there's been a lot of name changes in the last couple of months. Just so everyone's super clear, um, you can talk a little bit about the, the name changes that we've had. Sure, and congratulations on the new role, Sarah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> recently at Ignite, we announced the new product or our product, Microsoft Defender. 
So Microsoft Defender is our XDR solution, um, which means extended detection and response. So we also have a picture on the blog, I think. Uh, where you can see the diagram. So uh, if you are following us, maybe open the diagram because that also helps you visualizing. Uh, so go on our blog and open the picture. Now you see we have Microsoft Defender. So that is the overall solution. And well, we have also announced the Better Together story with Microsoft Defender and Azure Sentinel. Um, but let's have a look into Microsoft Defender. If you have our picture open, you see that there are two parts. You see Microsoft 365 Defender and Azure Defender, which both build the big picture. I'm not an expert on Azure Defender, uh, but Azure Defender is a part of Azure Security Center and it helps you to protect your uh, server VMs, your containers, and we're also working on IoT security solutions. But I'm not the right person to talk about that part, so let me focus on Microsoft 365 Defender. Let me uh, talk a little bit about Azure Security Center, which is uh, part of uh, Azure Defender. Basically, before Azure Security Center had what is called a free tier and a basic uh, tier. The basic tier was the one that cost uh, money that added uh, just-in-time VM access, a SQL Server, a threat protection uh, a, a configurations, um, and, and actually he, he added Microsoft Defender uh, for servers or for endpoint uh, as part of it. Um, well, uh, right now what uh, Microsoft has done is uh, we have kept Azure Security Center, which gives continuous assessment and security recommendation, and the secure score. Uh, that was what was uh, the free tier, and everything else is now Azure Defender. Thanks for the explanation, Gladys. So let me dive into deeper into Microsoft 365 Defender. If you have the picture still open, then you see there are four pillars within Microsoft 365 Defender. And those, if you have worked with our product before, those seem kind of familiar. Um, so we used to have products called Microsoft Defender ATP, or Office ATP, or Azure ATP, or AMCAS, Microsoft Cloud App Security. So the former, Office ATP, Office Advanced Threat Protection, now is called Defender for Office. This is a part of the Microsoft 365 Defender and the Microsoft Defender ATP is now Microsoft Defender for Endpoints, which you can also see here as part of Microsoft 365 Defender. The former Azure ATP is now Defender for Identities and MCAS is still MCAS. Well, I can't promise you that we won't rename that product, but currently we haven't. Um, so MCAS is also part of Microsoft 365 Defender and covering the application part. So if you have this picture open, you see that they are now closer together. 
And uh, during the Ignite, we have also announced that we are working on combining all these products to see the big picture over your whole environment as part of Microsoft Defender, our XDR solution. Hey, so I noticed recently that um, there's a new Linux anti-malware that's been added as part of Microsoft 365. I was working with a customer and we we're doing some compliance work and obviously one of the things they have to do is have um, anti-malware software running in their VMs and that includes Linux VMs. Um, so this was, I didn't even know this was an option actually until just recently. So is there any background information on that Linux anti-malware? Yes, so uh, the Linux anti-malware, that is a part of the Defender for Endpoint. We already have a part of uh, the Linux AV. So Linux AV, Linux anti-malware, is already uh, globally available. And I often heard, well, you don't already have a solution for uh, Linux. But that's not true because the AV part is already uh, globally available. Uh, but the Linux EDR part is currently in public preview. So you can already test the EDR part. So you mentioned EDR and we also had XDR before. So what's the difference between EDR, XDR and, and anti antivirus? Yes, so um, EDR, I mentioned uh, I, EDR just means endpoint detection and response. And XDR means extended detection and response. So if you look at EDR, AV, which means antivirus, and XDR, uh, then AV is the first bastion on the endpoint. Uh, so that what you are also used to have at your home PC, it also, well, in earlier days, it just worked with signatures, but nowadays modern protection also works with behavior detection. Um, EDR, the endpoint detection and response, that is the cloud part. Every, it just says detection and response. So everything that the AV could not detect, the data is forwarded to the cloud-based part. And uh, now we also have more intelligence, more machine learning, uh, also sandbox detonation uh, if configured or if chosen to send the data um, in the cloud. And now if the cloud detection discovers a threat that the AV did not find yet, um, an action is triggered and uh, the intelligence is sent back to the uh, AV, which then blocks the malicious document. And also detection and response. We also have other detection and response capabilities. For example, life response. So you can uh, trigger actions on your clients, on your applications running. And you can also uh, initiate a life response session, which just means that you connect to that certain endpoint and run commands on it. So that helps you also gathering more information and also react. And XDR, the extended detection and response. So that's the whole part. You see the picture on the page. So Microsoft 365 Defender and Azure Defender. So both together 
are the Microsoft Defender, our XDR solution. So XDR, extended detection and response, does not mean that we just only detect and respond on the endpoint. It does mean that we, uh, we monitor the whole chain. So when the attack begins to the end, when data is extracted or any other things are being run, um, so XDR uh, monitors the whole chain and also helps you with detection and response. So maybe, um, yes, when I'm, I'm talking about chain, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the kill chain, so the Lockheed Martin kill chain. And um, so what this is, it's a model which identifies so what the uh, attackers need to do in order to achieve their goals. So uh, if they send out an email over having the user tricked into clicking on the link and uh, until the malware is run on the device and uh, also back to uh, extraction of data or uh, just uh, getting not only foothold on the system, but also uh, building persistence in the environment. So depending on what the attacker is looking for. So Miriam, can you tell us a bit more about the different endpoint parts of endpoint protection? Because of course I know that's something that people are obviously very uh, interested in um, and keen to do because we know endpoints um, organizations have a lot of them. Um, what are the things that we do to protect endpoints in the product? Yeah, so that topic is covered by Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, uh, which is part of Microsoft 365 Defender. And uh, Defender for Endpoint is designed to protect and prevent attacks on endpoint. And last but not least, if all bastions fail, so if protection and prevention fails, then to also respond. And we have several features to protect the endpoints. So first of all, we have threat and vulnerability management. Uh, so if you have worked uh, with security risks, uh, you might know that many companies are scanning their environments for possible threats or vulnerabilities. Um, so with threat and vulnerability management, uh, you don't have to scan your environment um, because you already have Defender running on your endpoints by default. And you just can use that functionality to see what vulnerabilities are on your endpoints, for example. If an old browser is installed, then you can see, okay, maybe you should update this version to uh, protect it. And um, it does not only help you with detecting vulnerabilities, it also helps you to prioritize and to mitigate. So that is one of the amazing features. Um, another feature is the attack surface reduction. And if you hear attack surface reduction, that is not only the feature attack surface reduction, because if you uh, have a look at our documentation, um, we have a section attack 
surface reduction. And within this section, uh, you see many more features. Also, one of those features is called attack surface reduction controls. Those rules can be enabled and they help you uh, to protect against software that is, uh, well, maybe not developed with the most uh, modern approaches. And so it would be vulnerable if attackers uh, exploit them. And attack surface reduction rules help you to protect against such a behavior. So that software that uh, does not behave as it should uh, is blocked from execution. Um, so there are also other features within the overall attack surface reduction. And it's really, really important to remember that the overall topic is called attack surface reduction. But within this topic, there is another topic, or not a topic, but a feature called attack surface reduction. So other features within attack surface reduction are, for example, also hardware-based isolation, device control, exploit protection, which helps you protect against uh, certain exploits like uh, buffer overflow if memory is misused. We also have network protection, web protection, uh, control folder access, and the firewall is also a part of attack surface reduction. So coming to next gen protection, so next generation protection. Uh, so in the old days, uh, there were many people that said, well, we do have an antivirus. We do have a firewall. We are safe. But, well, actually, that is not true nowadays. Um, therefore, uh, next generation protection uh, is needed. Um, so next generation protection just means that uh, we have a lot of machine learning behind our product. Uh, not only in the cloud, but also uh, the detection is fed to the endpoint back. And uh, that provides you a better detection and also better protection. We formally talked also about the endpoint detection and response. So I will just leave that point out. And another great, great feature that Defender for Endpoint has is the automated investigation and remediation, or also called self-healing. It is super hard to find the right experts and also to find enough people that are working on your threats. And there are more and more alerts, and you need to address everything. And that's so much work. And therefore, we thought about, well, how can we help our customers? And the answer was, well, there are threats or there are investigations that come back over and over again. So, well, if the researchers and the analysts have playbooks, can't we automate that? And that is exactly what we did. So uh, we automated the most common playbooks so that um, the customer does not have to do the boring, boring work that comes on a daily basis. So we already uh, cover that part and uh, do that automatically. And uh, in the end, 
the customer can also decide if they want to apply this remediation or not. But in the end, uh, that helps to keep track of the most important things and saves a lot of time. And last but not least, we also have the Microsoft Threat Expert Service. If you don't have all the intelligence in your uh, SOC or if you don't have the, the expert and uh, if you need advice, our threat experts are there to help you. You can directly submit from the portal your question uh, with an incident that you are worried about and our Microsoft threat experts will support you and uh, also can help you to uh, raise alerts that would not be covered by automation. So if something's fishy going on, uh, you can also rely on the threat experts if you configured this feature. And of course, everything can be configured centrally and also triggered via API. And you can also feed the data via API into your SIEM solution or work with your SOAR system. So Miriam, earlier on you mentioned a kill chain. Uh, could you explain briefly to our listeners what a kill chain is and how Microsoft 365 can help in these scenarios? Sure. So basically, the cyber kill chain was developed by Lockheed Martin. It should show what an attacker, uh, if we look at the kill chain, what does the attacker do uh, in most cases? So they send an email with an attachment and they trick the user into opening the attachment or clicking on the link. So, and in this case, we have a defender for office who should protect that. But basically, all protections can fail because defenders are also developing their attacks further. So if Defender for Office fails, uh, the attacker is on the endpoint. And here we do have Defender for Endpoint, which should detect that behavior and should protect the environment. But if this also fails, uh, Attackers usually are looking for identities that they can use to escalate their privileges and to also lateral move to get more identities until they find a very valuable identity like an enterprise administrator. And last but not least, they want to get data, extract the data, want to get sensitive information and extract it. And uh, for the identity part, we have the Defender for Identity that should detect and protect such attacks. And last but not least, if all bastions fail, we have Azure Information Protection and of course also Defender for Office who should help protecting the data. And this is what we are all combining in Microsoft 365 Defender together to one solution. This is what I love about our solutions, uh, the interconnection, uh, the interoperation of the tools is uh, allowed uh, all these services to consume insight from each other in order to perform orchestration and automation, basically kill, and that's why, uh, why it's called the kill chain, uh, kill uh, uh, the operation uh, that the attacker is going to do next in order to control and or stop 
uh, the attack from going further into the environment. Yeah, so I also find it amazing that we are combining all those solutions, all this intelligence and connect it with the solution and have only one single pane of glass, one portal to keep track of the security in the environment. So yeah, that's basically Microsoft 365 Defender. Congratulations, Miriam, because that's a really tough, there's so many products in there and it's difficult. Um, well, I think it's difficult to explain because we have so many things. So thanks so much for explaining that. I wanted to take a slightly different tack because when I first met you last year um, in Las Vegas, do you remember when we could travel? Uh, yeah. You were actually there. Uh, I know. Yeah, we, we, you remember that time. We were actually uh, you were there um, to demonstrate your tool event list and it wouldn't seem right to not um, and not talk about event list um, a little bit. Um, could you tell um, the listeners what it is and what they can do with it? Sure. So um, I started with event list when I was asked by a customer, well, you recommended those amazing security baseline from Microsoft. But if I activate those baselines, then there are being event IDs that are being generated. But well, do you have an overview which event IDs are being generated? Uh, well, surprise, we didn't, or we did not have a simple overview. We had a document, a very huge document where you could find out, but that's not what the customer wanted. And this is when I started to develop event lists. So in the first version, it was just, uh, a mechanism to generate event lists out of baselines. And uh, when I further worked with event lists and other customers, uh, they also asked me, okay, can you maybe also implement MITRE ATT&CK and some other cool functionalities? And basically that's what I did. So uh, if you don't know MITRE ATT&CK, so MITRE ATT&CK is a framework and knowledge base of attacks, of adversary tactics and techniques. Uh, and they are mapped into certain areas. And um, if you open such a technique, you can see uh, recommendations, how to audit, how to prevent, and everything you want to know about it. And uh, this is why customers and security experts are super excited about MITRE ATT&CK because it just re really brings you real-world observations uh, in a framework that you really can work with and where you can also sort your, your, the, the attacks into. And so I also uh, worked with other customers who uh, gave me the feedback, can, can you implement MITRE ATT&CK into event list? And basically that's what I did. And so nowadays, event list not only maps Windows event IDs to MITRE ATT&CK, uh, it also solves other problems. So if you are monitoring Windows event IDs, it is super hard to find out what are the most important event IDs because my, maybe you only have a very limited storage space for your SIEM and you only want to forward the most important events. So uh, it also, event list also helps you 
to generate agent forwarder configuration snippets so that if you if you for example are using splunk then you can say okay i want this configuration generated into a splunk agent forwarder snippet and you can just copy and paste it into your configuration and use it so that uh, it directly populates your storage and last but not least if you have all the data what do you want to do with that data? So you don't want to just keep it for forensic purpose because if you are being attacked, you have no idea uh, what to do with all the data if you never have worked with it before. So last but not least, you also want to proactively hunt. And to solve that part, I have also implemented um, Sigma. So it relies on Sigma. And um, this allows you to generate you hunting queries also mapped to MITRE attack and also mapped to the baselines that you put into it. And with the last release, uh, I also implemented a way that you can use it directly via PowerShell and not only via the API. So that's right, you have an API, but you can also use it for automation. So basically that's eventless in a nutshell. So Miriam, um, we always like to leave our listeners with one final thought. So what would your final thought be? So actually, I have talked a lot about Microsoft 365 Defender, and I know that that's a lot of information to cover, and I haven't covered anything because we don't have that much time. But if you want to learn more about Microsoft 365 Defender, we have an awesome ninja training in our tech communities. So go there. Uh, we have a link in our blog post. Go there, have a look, and uh, learn more about Microsoft 365 Defender. Hey, Miriam, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, really appreciate you being here. Uh, I know you've been very busy, and especially with the holidays coming up. Uh, it's also great to get a bigger picture of you know, what Microsoft 365 actually is. I'm going to be honest, I've always been a little confused. So to everyone out there, well, this draws to an end, our podcast series for 2020. I'm um, going to be honest with you, we're all really humbled at the support that we've seen for this podcast. We do realize that, you know, Azure security is a very highly specialized subject, but just looking at the downloads, the subscri subscriptions, and the positive feedback that we've got over this year has been well beyond our expectations. So again, thank you sincerely for your support. If you've not subscribed, please do so uh, to get a notification when a new episode drops. We're in all the usual places, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, uh, or you can just go to our website. So anyway, stay safe out there and we'll talk to you again in 2021. Thanks for listening to the Azure Security Podcast. You can find show notes and other resources at our website, azsecuritypodcast.net. If you have any questions, Please find us on Twitter at Azure SecPod. Background music is from ccmixter.com and licensed under the Creative Commons license.